Hello and welcome to episode 13 of Salacast of this season. Um, no Glyn this week. Um, people on Twitter would have seen that um, Glyn, unfortunately, is back in hospital having a blood transfusion. So we hope um, hope Glyn uh, is feeling okay and hope he gets better soon. And hopefully Glyn will be on the podcast soon. Um, and this week, um, I didn't go to the game this week. I was at a wedding. Um, I've watched the extended highlights, done some prep. But because I wasn't going to the game, I wanted to get two top guests on um, to help me cover this game this week. Um, and Aid, um, Aid Plymouth, welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing, mate? I'm very well, thank you. How are you, Ollie? Yep, I'm okay. I'm okay. Obviously, shame um, Glenn isn't here. Yeah, I think uh, like everybody, uh, we just want to send Glenn and his family our best wishes and, you know, hang in there, mate, and keep fighting. Yep, totally, totally agree with that. And and Chris, welcome back to the podcast again. Um, obviously, you did a podcast a few weeks ago with, with Glenn in my absence. I hope you're well, mate. Good, thank you, mate. Yeah, thanks for having me back, and I'll take two top guests as well. That's a very kind, uh, very kind introduction. I'll, I'll go with that, <laughs> yeah. and I'll echo what Aid just said as well. As well, by the way, obviously sending our best wishes to Glenn. Like you said, I did it with this with him a couple of weeks ago, just after we'd been to Cheltenham together. So, shocking news, and he's in all of our thoughts. Yeah, completely. Yeah, thinking of him all the time. Um, so yeah, get well soon, Glenn. Get, get come come back on the podcast. Um, so this week we're talking, unfortunately, about a defeat, which. Hasn't yeah we've had you know we're having a good season. We're interested to get obviously Chris you on the podcast um, a couple of weeks ago. It'd be interesting to get your view on the season overall, eight as we go through the podcast. Um, but unfortunately, we've got a defeat to talk about this week and no goals either. Um, so we'll we'll jump straight into the Charlton game. On Saturday, Shrewsbury Town nil, Charlton one. Attendance of um six thousand five hundred. And Chris, did um did Charlton bring a few a few fans? Uh, just over five hundred, I think it was. Which yeah. you know, to be honest, for the size of club, I probably thought there'd be a few more than that. You know, we've had the likes of Bolton down our place in the in recent times, and the, so you know some of these big clubs who bring thousand fifteen hundred, and I'd have had Charlton in that bracket, so I was slightly surprised by the numbers. Do you think, Aid, they're just a little bit of tired of Shrewsbury bloody town and we often get some good results against them? Well, their fans were singing they wanted to go home, didn't they? Uh, no, I, I think it's a consequence of rail strikes and obviously cost of living, but uh, I think overall the attendance was pretty good, wasn't it? Nearly 6,000 Shrewsbury fans there, so uh, yeah, credit to all us lot. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, credit to, to Shrewsbury Town and the Shrewsbury Town fans. And yeah, hopefully, obviously, you know, good results, um, get get attendances up, um, good results so far this season. Obviously, we're, you know, in the top half, which I think is above everyone's expectations. So that, that's fantastic. Um, going to this game, um, Charlton and Shrewsbury, um, last year we both struggled. This year, we're having pretty both having pretty good seasons. Um, Charlton came to this game on a two game winning streak. Um, obviously, now it's three after they beat us, beat us on Saturday. Um, interesting actually I chatted to my, my Charlton mate um, how long have they been playing 4-4-2 and he says actually it's just for this three game winning streak um, so interesting to get your guys opinion on seeing a team playing 4-4-2 it's quite a rarity these days um, looking at the team um, Shrewsbury Town um, played the same um, lineup that started against Fleetwood um, and that was Morosi in goal and Moore, Dunkley and Flanagan and Bennett, Winchester, Bayliss um, Leahy and Shipley across the middle um, or as Glyn would say, five at the back, so that was wrong, Ollie. Um, and then Sadie and Pike up front. Um, so, um, Aid, what did you think of that that lineup when you saw it? Was it what you expected? 
Yeah, pretty much so. It, it seems to be sort of uh, Cottrell's staple now, isn't it, to go to that sort of type of formation. But at times it almost looks like he's playing like a, a single strike up front with three supporting behind. Um, so it seems to be quite fluid how they can set up. Yeah, obviously, we yeah sometimes there is a, a, a bit of a joke going on. We're not sure what team it's going to line up. Um, but yeah, not not too surprised um, there. And um, what did you make of the bench, Chris? Obviously, five strikers again, but Pennington was back. Yeah, good to have Pennington as an option off the bench. And I think the team selection, team and substitutes, frankly, was a reflection of the game before, wasn't it? We'd won well at Fleetwood, and it was not surprising that he maybe decided to go unchanged from that one rather than bring Pennington straight back in. I think uh, he was rewarding the players who'd done a good job the previous week and giving them another chance to repeat it, as it were. Yeah, it's not too surprises, obviously, given the size of the squad. But we get getting a couple of options back, though, though, aren't we? We've got, obviously, O'Brien, um, we've got Pennington um, and DaCosta. I don't think it's too far away. It's funny, actually, I was watched the pre-match. I actually had a bit of time, as I said, I was away um, at a wedding this week. And so I actually had a little bit of time to actually watch a pre-match, which has been a rarity for me for the last few weeks. And it only seemed to be a, an injury update, <laughs> which is just kind of shows you, yeah, we've we've been a bit unfortunate, actually, of injuries this season, which kind of makes our, our league position start to season um, yeah, I'll ask you, Aid. Like, what's your what's your kind of view of the season so far? Um, I'm a little bit surprised we're as high as we have been, but then you look at the quality that we've got in the team. Um, you know, we should be probably aiming for a top half finish with that team that we've got. We've been unlucky with injuries, but it's great that you have options off the bench. Have that, did we? So overall, yeah, it's been uh, it's been it's been a good start to the season. Not unexpected in a lot of ways, but maybe a little bit higher than where we thought we would be. And what's your kind of view, Aid, on um, attractiveness or entertainment versus results? <laughs> well, yeah, at times it hasn't been a great watch, has it? But what I would say is, on Saturday, I really enjoyed the game, even though we lost, and I enjoyed the way we actually tried to play football a little bit. Uh, there seemed to be less of a hoof up the field and more of actually trying to play it intelligently through to the forward uh, players. So yeah, I mean, it, it's not it's not dead exciting football, is it? But uh, it's certainly not as bad as some of the dirt we've seen over the years, is it? Yeah, we just love seeing. You know, if you, if you get goals and you get results. That's I think that's fans sixty seventy percent happy. Um, you obviously if you're if you're then losing and playing terrible football, it's kind of yeah, it's a bit of a, bit of a bad a bad mix. But would you say, Chris, over the last few weeks and, and months, or maybe over the month of course of the season with players coming back, our style has got a little bit more easy on the eye. Honestly, I, I'd say uh, you know Saturday, yes, I'd agree with Aid. First twenty minutes, first half hour, we actually played some really good stuff and we finished pretty well as well. But I don't know if I've seen much of that in recent weeks. You know, maybe I'm the bringer of doom for this podcast, but I was last on it two weeks ago after the Cheltenham game, which I think I described as one of the worst football matches I've ever watched live. And then I'm back on again today after another defeat. So maybe you need to get me on after a win and I'll feel more positive. <laughs> yeah, it's funny sometimes how that works out. Yeah, I'll have to try and make sure I, um, I get you on as an, an emergency guest, maybe, Chris, um, when we've had a, a good victory. Um, which actually look at the fixtures ahead, especially this week coming, is going maybe a, a baby bit of a stretch. Um, well, that was but, going to be another point, I suppose, yeah. isn't it? As well, I, I've been delighted with the league position. And yeah, it's great to go in eighth. And, I don't want to be miserable, but I do look at, you know, we've had a reasonably, there's no such thing as a soft game, I suppose, but we've had a run of fixtures where we might have expected a few more points over the last five, six, seven games. And now we're coming into a run of fixtures where it's going to be a bit harder again. And 
if we can go into December and we're still in the top half of the table, I'll be pretty pleased because we've got some tough games in the next few weeks. Yeah, obviously we're 10th now, um, which is not a position I expect age you thought we would be in. Um, but yeah, we do have a few more uh, toughy fixtures coming up. Um, and yeah, you obviously can only beat the teams that you're playing. Um, but the but the uh, kind of the end of October going into November, um, A does look a bit tough. We've got obviously we've got Plymouth, we've got Portsmouth, then we've got York in the FA Cup, then we've got Oxford, who we always struggle against, Barnsley, and then Sheffield Wednesday. So November does look quite tough, doesn't it, Ada? I was going to say, Ollie, I'm listening to you here, and I also want to say, we're doomed! But no, look, <laughs> no, nothing would surprise us, would we, as Shrewsbury Town fans, if we went and got something from Plymouth and Portsmouth. I was sort of thinking, as I was sitting there yesterday, when we were playing reasonably well early on, um, that if we could get four points from the next nine, you know, the next three games... I, I take that. Now, you know what, after we lost uh, yesterday, that's going to be a pretty tall order, isn't it? Considering I'm going to face, uh, you know, a sellout home park and probably not far off at Fratton Park next Saturday. But you never know with town. And as I said, there's a little bit more with us that we have got that quality in the side. Um, I'm generally, am I a half sort of full guy, cup guy? I, I don't know, really. I, I tend to go swings and roundabouts with this. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's going to be hard. But we've had uh, runs like this before and we've we've surprised ourselves, haven't we, at times? So I think let's not be too downbeat on the fact that we lost yesterday. We've got two tough away games. The fixture list, uh, it, it's appalling. We've got to go to Plymouth and Portsmouth, isn't it? But you never know with us. And... Um, uh, yeah, York City coming up as well. Uh, but then John Askey doesn't seem that keen to uh, to want to come and play us. No, he? he's not very keen. No, no, we'll come to that. Maybe come to that in a probably after after maybe next week. Maybe get his quotes up. But yeah, he's not overly excited about playing us. Um, but yeah, as we said, just kind of continuing this tangent. Going away to Sheffield Wednesday, Shrewsbury Town defensive counter attacking team is going to be perfect for us. Oxford aren't having the best season, so that maybe could maybe means we can maybe beat that bogey team and try and get that off our backs, because Oxford only won in the one in the last six, lot um, sorry in the last five um, they've lost three and drawn one, um, and then Barnsley just gone above us in well just a, uh, equal points of us, uh, so not a game to worry too much. But yeah, as you said, Aid, sometimes it's those games against the bigger teams when we we do get those surprise results. We got them against Sunderland last year. We got four points against Sheffield Wednesday. So yeah. I don't know how we've gone from the team sheet to talking about Sheffield Wednesday in November, but that's the beauty of a podcast, I guess. Um, back to the game, Aid. How would you say, Shrews, we started this game? Yeah, really well. I think it's probably the best start to a game we've had all season, isn't it? We look really positive. We played some really good football, really crisp movement, good passing. Um, and it looked like we could probably have scored quite early on. Uh, it's a shame we didn't because probably ultimately that cost us the game. But no, I was really impressed, really impressed with our start. We looked positive, we looked measured, we looked um, solid and set up. And yeah, that was really that was really pleasing for me. And I thought, well, okay, we might just do this. We might just actually get the win. Um, I was proved wrong though, obviously, on the pitch. Ego. Yeah, in in that chance, one of those chances you're talking about. Um, so Chipley and wins the ball, a good, um, a good, a, a good tackle. Um, drives forward the ball, passes to Sadie, who has a shot, um, and who, who and was deflected. Um, it goes for a corner, and Dunkley was really unlucky not to score. Um, headed down, hit the defender's legs, and managed to 
caught um, by the goalkeeper and managed to kind of clean up the mess. But yeah, the two opportunities there, Chris, to score. And it's a, it's a shame and real disappointment that we didn't get a goal in, in that action. Yeah, I mean, after 20 minutes of that game, we did, we could have had a couple, really. We did have a really good start, and that was a, a perfect example of it. Shea Dunkley, really unlucky. And Christian Sadie just showing us what he's been all about in his early days in the Shrewsbury shirt. Uh, you know, after that bright goal-scoring start, though, he hasn't had one for a couple of weeks now, but he was certainly un- unlucky with that move. He could have got one there for sure. So, yeah, lots of positive signs at that stage, and Charlton looked a little bit rocked. Yeah, but it didn't take them too long, did it, for them to start creating some chances? Um, so um, the winger, yeah, they're a decent side in their own right. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah. Um, so um, on loan winger um, from Crystal Palace. First opportunity for Charlton um, on loan um, winger from Crystal Palace and um, Raksake gets the ball. He cuts inside. He crosses the ball and then Stockley um, headed wide. Um, so that was a good opportunity for him, and he was going to be quite a, a dominant player in the first half. Yeah, not the best performance, but second half, obviously, he got the goal. Um, and then, Chris, um, some more opportunities um, for Charlton and for Shrewsbury. Yeah, I mean, after that one, like you say, a couple more chances for Shrewsbury, weren't there? I seem to remember Luke Leahy having a shot which uh, flew over from distance, but it was a decent strike. And uh, then there was another one for Jordan Shipley as well, playing off left wing back in this game. But he was played in by uh, Christian Sadie and fired wide of goal. Not an easy chance, but... You'd have liked to have, to have tested the keeper at least. But yeah, that's that's three or four good chances now and you're still inside the first 20 minutes of the game. So it just shows what a bright start we did make. So first half, Chris, um, no, in terms of possession, how were we getting on? Well, you know, I was watching the game and thinking we're having more of the ball than usual because let's be honest, we've been used to being a low possession team this season and I was sad enough to get my phone up and bring it up on the, on, on the Sky Sports app just to have a look how we're doing and yeah, 20 minutes in or so, that was saying we'd had about 53% possession at that stage, which for Shrewsbury against a side of Charlton stature was quite surprising. So yeah, at that point I was feeling really positive because we were creating chances and seeing plenty of the ball. Yep, cool. Um, and then um, there was an opportunity, another opportunity for Shrewsbury Town. Um, Sadie with some good control and power, lays the ball to Leahy who crosses for deep. Um, we didn't get anything out of that, but we recycled it. And then Sadie had us um, over from a cross um, but Leahy had a opportunity to score potentially if Sadie'd lift the ball. And it's fair to say, A, that um, one, Leahy wasn't happy. And secondly, um, what's your view on Sadie? I imagine you've seen him for a few games now. Yeah, I think in terms of the chance, yeah. I mean, it was Leahy's all day. And it, Lee was sort of saying to him, look, I called. Sadie being a striker was being greedy as he should be. Uh, my overall opinion about Sadie, yeah, I love him. I, I think he's... Uh, He's really been a good acquisition. He's a good replacement for Udo. Uh, I think they're very similar. Uh, he's very strong. He can lead a line. He can shoot. He can he can run at people. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a really good signing for Town, and I think we'll get a lot out of him as the season progresses. Yeah, he started his Shrewsbury Town career, didn't he? Getting a few goals um, a couple of games now. He hasn't scored, but yeah, hopefully he'll he'll put that right um, so far. But yeah, you, um, you've obviously talked, you've had the chance to talk about it, Sadie, but he's a good signing, isn't he, Chris? Yeah, he's impressed in his early days in the Shrewsbury shirt. As you, we, I think he said a lot of it there. He's brought goals to the team, but he brings more, a bit like Udo. He, you know, he holds the ball up well. He's he's bringing others, he's bringing runners into play. He he really contributes up front there. It's not just about goals for him. So even though he didn't score on Saturday, we're still talking about positive contributions from him. He, he's a handful for defenders, and they can never relax around him. And yeah, as a as a twenty year old signing, I know his second league loan spell. He looks the part. 
Yeah, he does. He's he's been an excellent signing. Um, yeah, obviously, and it's interesting that Pike is playing as well. Aid, not something you'd expect um, to have heard at this you know this point in October, where Pike is a first time first choice striker on the team sheet. Hasn't he done well though? Yeah, he uh, has. I mean, you know, considering where he was and what we thought we got and what we ended up with. He's really turned it around. I'm really pleased for him. I really hope he can get a couple of goals now and just kick on a bit because he's obviously got ability and he can play in different positions, which I think is great. But, you know, to be able to lead the line, he's showing what he can do for us. And, uh, yeah, I'm really pleased for him. I'm really pleased that he's turned it around. And he's got a bit of pace as well, which is not you can't say about a lot of players in the Shooter Down squad. No, and I think that's been probably the one glaring omission when we've looked at the team, isn't it? That we have lacked a little bit of pace, and I know you know we know what we would get with De Costa hopefully when he comes back. But um, I think looking at Pike, he, he's surprisingly quick at times, isn't he? Um, and that's really good for us, and it just gives us a little bit of a different option, which is what we need. Yeah, he just there was obviously that chance um, he could have scored against Fleetwood. Um, Chris, did he miss any any real um, glaring opportunities in this game? Not that I can recall. I thought he had a decent game. A comment Aid made earlier about how we set up. We don't. You almost didn't play as a striker. You're almost yesterday. It felt to me like Sadie up front, and then you had Bayliss behind him, Pike to the right, and Leahy to the left as a kind of three behind. And so, so he's not playing an out and out striker role. Or it doesn't feel like that to me anyway. So. I don't think he should be judged just on goals, that's for sure. And he's contributing a lot. I thought Saturday, bringing people into play, getting the ball down to Elliot Bennett on the right side. I thought he linked up with Bennett really well at times. And yeah, he's offering a lot right now. It'd be interesting. His place may come under threat from Aidan O'Brien. Uh, now Brian's getting fitter. And that was the substitution the manager made on the hour mark on uh, Saturday. And it'll be interesting to see over the next two or three weeks as presumably Brian gets closer to being fully match fit. Whether he's the one who, whether Pike's the one who might make way for him, but right now he's he's certainly doing a decent job. I know we really pissed off Portsmouth when we signed O'Brien, and their fans were quite fuming about it. It would be lovely, wouldn't it, for him to score to score on Saturday? Um, it's something that obviously we and Glenn always talks about. Obviously, opposition former players scoring for the opposition. Um, it would be great to see him um, come back and get a goal aid and start his account for Shrewsbury. Yeah, let's hope next weekend we're uh, we're celebrating that. It, it's funny, I mean, you know, we look at the Plymouth and Portsmouth games coming up and it's great to see O'Brien coming back, but maybe the Portsmouth one is the one potentially we could win uh, rather than Plymouth, which I think will be a hard trek. But uh, yeah, you know, it's good to see, isn't it? It's good that O'Brien's come back. And again, it just highlights the quality in the squad. It's still not a, a massive squad. It's bigger than last year. But it's got that quality in it, which is probably what we've lacked a little bit over recent seasons. Yeah, a bit of quality up front wouldn't, wouldn't go amiss. Um, and then in terms of quality, um, yeah, um, unfortunately, um, in the first half for Ratsaki, he first half, yeah, fails to score a simple cutback. Um, and he misses. That was a really good opportunity for him. That's two now he'd missed in this half. And then Stockley, who seems like a good striker, set up Campbell, who fired wide. So... You know, in terms of shots, Shrewsbury had seven and um, Charlton had 11. Shrewsbury ended up with 43% possession and um, Charlton had uh, 57. The manager said that in the first half, they dominated, sorry, we dominated and we should have been winning at half time. Watching the highlights back, which can be a bit of a skew if way of watching the game, Chris, but do you think 
you know, did we kind of dominate the first half or do you think um, going in, in even was, was fair? We dominated the first 20 minutes, but the 25 that came after it were a bit of a different story. We faded and they definitely missed some really good chances. You've just talked about two from that, the online Palace lad on the right for them. Uh, the one, he drags one wide where probably he wants to at least hit the target, but the second one is, you know, it's, it's a glaring sitter. He's missed from really almost point-blank range and it was a pass back to the keeper. I don't know what was going on. He just completely miscued it and it's just trickled back to Morosi. But both of those were decent chances and then you touched on the Campbell one as well. It did feel like our goal was leading a bit of a charmed life at that stage. Uh, so, yeah, there was also a decent save from Morosi, wasn't there, in the build-up to that first chance for the Palace lads. So, they certainly put us under some pressure and I can't really agree that we had uh, the, we were the only side that looked to threaten that first half. It, it could easily have been 2-2, frankly. Both sides had had at least a couple of good goal-scoring opportunities, but I think Cotterill said it could have been 2-0 to us. I think that would have flattered us hugely. Would you agree with that, Aid? Yeah, I would. I mean, I think had we got the goals, had we scored, I think it might have been a different game and, and I think we'd Absolutely. have time. You know, if we'd have come in like we did half-time against MK... I think it would have been a different... We'd have gone on to win it comfortably. Um, Charlton didn't take their chances. In a way, neither did we. Um, so it was always set up, as Cottrell said, for it to be nil-nil and be nervy, which in effect is what happened, really. But it's interesting why we didn't... Or why we dropped off and faded off, because we're not really like that, are we? You know, fitness-wise, we're a pretty decent team. Maybe it was just Charlton just having possession and, and just being able to... Um, boss the game more than we did in the, you know in the first twenty minutes. It, I don't know why. I thought we'd get half time and it would change, but in reality, that that really didn't happen, did it? Yeah, absolutely. I, if we're going into the second half, you were looking at Shrewsbury to really come out and maybe I think half time came into good time for us because there wasn't a lot happening for us, and you felt going into the second we had fifteen minutes to sort of sort that out at half time and come out brighter didn't really happen in the first 10-15 minutes of that second half although ironically we probably did have uh, a couple of the better chances in the game at that stage we had another effort from uh, was it Leahy blocked in the penalty area and then uh, Tom Bayliss missing a, a really good opportunity for him as well one that on current form I would have expected him to put away so we hadn't that was frustrating yeah it was a block shot wasn't it from Bayliss it is one of those where yeah, it's good opportunity good space but at the same time yeah, it's quite a difficult one, I think, for him to, to try and score, score that the from. Cross? I'm thinking it was a cross from the left-hand side from Shipley, I think. And I, I, you know, I've got, you know where I sit, Ollie, very close to you, so we don't always have the best view of that far goal, but it felt to me like he missed it entirely, and it was just, if he'd just got his foot to it, he couldn't really miss, because he was a yard out. Yeah, I think... I like Gascoigne it was, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, I like that's right, yeah. Six, <laughs> yeah. You're a 96 moment. Yeah, it's it frustrating, and... Just looking at the stats for the second half, um, um, we had two shots in the second half. Um, again, 40% possession, six shots for Charlton. It's fair to say that there was less entertainment in the second half. Would you agree with that, Aid? Um, I wouldn't say there was less entertainment. I think it was overall, it was a good game, and it was a good game at half time, and it was a good game at 90. Um, I, I think it was just so disappointing that we just didn't get the goal that probably could have just unlocked the game. And when that cross come over from Shipley, and I mean, I've watched the highlights back again a couple of times today, and how he misses it, I don't know. But it is like Gascoigne in Euro 96. He, he just seems to either 
I don't know, not go through the ball. He just probably thought the ball would hit him and go in. He, he just totally missed it, didn't he? And uh, the chance had gone. Frustrating, yeah. Frustrating um, chances. Um, and then, yeah, Raksaki had another chance. Um, he hit the side netting. Um, and then, yeah, that was that, that tame effort, I thought, from Shipley, um, which was obviously one. Obviously, we've covered the two chances, really, for Shrewsbury in this game. And then and then finally, um, for, from a Charlton point of view, 69 minutes in, um, opportunity comes to, um, to the, as Chris said, the, the on-loan Crystal Palace um, winger, um, Raksaki, I think that's how he pronounces his name, and he puts the ball at the back of the net, which I think he'd have been very thankful for because I think it would have been quite awkward for him watching the game back and with the with the team um, on on Monday if he hadn't if he hadn't scored this because he'd missed quite a few chances. Um, how do you say Aid um, Salah reacted to going one goal behind? I think we tried to come back, didn't we? we you know the the substitutions as well that occurred, so we were trying to be positive. I think, but um, I think going back to the goal, there was two things about it. The, the potential foul on Leahy, which was missed by the referee. And then we seemed to go AWOL in defending again, didn't we? That, to be fair, Saki had he had so much space this time. If he'd have missed that one, I think they'd have pulled him off. But uh, it was a good finish in the end from him. But I think to be picked out and have that much space on the penalty spot was pretty poor from us, to be honest. Yeah, I'd agree with that, Abe. I thought Shrewsbury actually responded really well to going 1-0 down. I was actually quite pleased by that. It seemed to wake us up in many ways. I thought it was nice to see a Shrewsbury side finish a game quite strongly. You know, Quite often we're 1-0 down and you don't think there's any chance of an equaliser. But while we didn't create the chances you're looking for, we did have a series of corners in that, You know, especially the last five minutes felt like Charlton were hanging on you know we, we, we were getting the ball in their box from both flanks uh, we were causing them to make a few mistakes concede corners that they probably shouldn't have done and yeah I think they were certainly a bit jittery and they were the ones waiting for that whistle for sure the time wasting amused me as well you know we Shrewsbury gets accused of time wasting left right and centre and we, it's happened many times this season it was very much Charlton doing that on Saturday and it was quite I was almost amused in a way to hear our fans getting really worked up about that because Charlton did a bit of a Shrewsbury on us and that they were they were certainly pretty good at killing the game. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't as bad as something, you know, I think what we've been trying to do, which is uh, very much the Black Hearts and some of the teams that we've seen do it. I think teams are entitled to do it as ever unfair it seems that we sometimes feel it is. Um but, you know, it was, again, you know, I just echo what Chris has said. It was really pleasing to see us really trying to go for it. It was a barnstorming finish from us, wasn't it? All it, just to cross the line and go in the net. And I think a draw probably would have been a fair result. Yeah, it's, it's obviously I wasn't at the game, so I can't come on too much. Um, do, you, do you feel like we were a little bit hard done by? We obviously, you know, conceded what the manager said as a bit of a soft goal um, and then obviously then tried it. Uh, also, um, did you think the substitutions made, made a difference when they came on? I think it was interesting, we were talking around us and we thought it, maybe it was a bit of a panic from uh, Cottrell, but I'd rather a manager try and do something and change it than not. Um, I, I thought, you know, they huffed and puffed a bit. We got, though, the barnstorming finish, you know, on the other sort of point of view, if you like. Um, so it was well worth, I think, trying it. Whether it was a panic measure, I don't really know. But the good thing is, at least we had the options to come off the bench and try it. So, you know, you've got to take that as a positive. Yeah, I think, Chris, it's, sometimes it's easy for people to criticise the manager. You know, we do it on this podcast as well. 
Um, but I, I'm not, I don't think it's. I think it's quite hard to be grudge a manager or say he's panicking when he brings on players to try and make a change. Um, did you, you agree with the substitutions? Yeah, I thought you know the, the fact is the game had drifted away from us. I thought bringing on some fresh legs was a good thing, and I was uh, pleased to see Tom Bloxham get more than a token two minutes as well. He had a good 20-25 minutes out on the right wing, and it was nice to see more from him for sure. No, I had no, I had no issue with the substitutions whatsoever. I thought you know we had to try something. The game. From a game that, as we've talked about, we'd started well in was drifting away from us. So, what do you, what do you, if we hadn't made those changes, everyone would have criticised the manager for not reacting. Yeah, it's it's always the um, manager's going to get criticised either way. Um, so, in, you say that um, Bloxon came on, played on the on the right wing. Did we change um, formation? Yeah, I think. Aid, hey, you can help me here. <laughs> I think we went to a flat back four at this point. Pennington came on at right back. I think. And it was, it was quite... I'm trying to work it all out. You know what it's like with us. Our players are so versatile that you're trying to play... It does. Sort of jigsaw, move them around and work it out. But. Yeah, Forest Green Rovers, it took me 20 minutes to figure out we were playing four at the back. It is a little bit deceptive <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, I think it's the same. I, I'm trying to recall, did we change formation or not? I, I, I think, think we did. It, we took know, off Bennett yeah. and Moore. And then, yeah, Pennington right back. And I think you had Street up front with Sadie at this point. Blocks them on the one side. And uh, who was playing on the left at that point? Oh, crikey. Leahy, probably. <laughs> I can't remember. It's impossible to work out. Did maybe Shipley play in a left wing? Yeah, that's a good point. Shipley was still I think we went 4-4-2 four, four, so yeah, maybe, matched them up. Wing. Yeah, that sounds about so. right. It was, it was definitely a flat back four. I, that's the comment. That's the, thing, the observation I noticed at the time. I, I think the rest of it was all a little bit fluid for me. Yeah, I was going to say, but that's the thing, isn't it? I think with town, it's the one good thing we can become fluid. Um, so being able to interchange and um, you know bring those players on and do what we did, it, it probably probably you know in terms of the formation, it probably was very similar. But it certainly looked like something was happening at the back, and we we're trying to push people on just to have attacking options. Yeah, and it worked. It gave us impetus, didn't it? Aid at that point. We, at that point, we did yeah. become the more positive side in the game, and their focus was very much on basically trying to take time out of the match from that point on. It's um it's frustrating for 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 um, Bloxham, I'm sure. Aid, um, you know, what's your view of obviously quite a lot of strikers in the squad, um, and yeah, he doesn't seem to be getting a lot of minutes. Obviously, it's great that he got um, some in this one, but he hasn't had a lot in the last few weeks. Yeah, it must be uh, it must be strange for him. I think uh, he did so well last season, uh, and then you bring in some guys, obviously from the Premier League, and uh, you know they go straight into our team, and you're sort of knocking on the door for the Pizza Cup. Um, which I'm sure Tom didn't realise he would have to do. But I think this is a squad game and I think there will be opportunities, as happened on Saturday. You know, we've got these two big games coming up this week and I'm sure you'll see some form of rotation within the squad, not a la Ricketts, that's for sure, because, you know, Steve Cottrell doesn't do that. But I think, you know, in terms of injuries and, and people needing to be rested, Bloxham's time will come. Um, and you know obviously I hope he's learning from the guys that have come in you know you think about Bowman as well you know these guys that you thought were you know absolutely nailed on first team starts it, it isn't happening but as the season progresses with the quality and the small squad that we've got these people are going to be vital to us going forward so uh, Tom will get his time and he'll get his chance 
It's worth saying as well, isn't it, that he was given a three-year contract. So while he'll be frustrated at the minute, time is on his side. It's not like he has to feel he's got to deliver this season or he's out of here. We're, we've invested in him and we've said that we rate him so much that we've given him a contract of that length, which for Shrewsbury to do for an 18-year-old, as he was at the time, is virtually unheard of. So, you know, I, the manager clearly does rate him as a footballer. So while he's frustrated now, as I says, hopefully his time will come still. Yeah, I think it's a really good point, isn't it? I mean, it's really interesting. Um, I, was, I don't know if you guys have done this yet, uh, but I've been, list- I've been on the road a lot this week. Uh, went to London, um, near London for work, came back, went to London for this weekend. So I've been listening to the Stiffs, then I had to drive over to pick my son up. So I've been in the car and I listened to podcasts loads this week. It's been quite good. And listened to the In Stiffs podcast. Um, and really, really good podcast, as everyone knows who listens to it. I'd recommend what listen to the episodes. But there's a really interesting comment from Michael Bridges. You remember that Leeds United team he played in? And there's a lot of youngsters in that team. And they all played a lot of football when they were young. And then Bridges went on to say that a lot of them all got injured as well and didn't end up playing a lot of games in their career. Woodgate, Alan Smith, um, um, McPhail, was it McPhail? Um, didn't play a lot of games. And, you know, there is maybe a bit of a risk here that maybe Cottrell's thought, well, you know, we don't want to play in too many games, so we'll get quite a lot of lads in and we'll try and rotate it round. Maybe there is some me- a, method, a method to his madness in terms of signing these strikers, aid eh? Because he doesn't want to burn the kid out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's always good to have options off the bench and certainly up front. We've always been a team, I think, that's been pretty shy about having striking options and uh, certainly the last couple of seasons we have. So I think it's good to have those options and they're quality options, aren't they? You know, uh, I think we're really lucky to have the options we've got. It, it is frustrating, certainly for Blocks and maybe more for Caton. But yeah, poor Caton. He needs to go out on loan to a, a yeah. national league team. It's it's a joke to be honest. To be honest, being quite blunt, I think it's a bit of a joke that he's 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 still in the squad. Feel sorry for the kid. He spent he's done a lot of miles um, on the bus. Yeah, absolutely. But again, football's a funny game, isn't it? And opportunities well, can come left field. I was. <laughs> it's that you've that is almost perfect, Aid. I was going to say. Players' football's career are not linear, are they? No, they're up and down. Look at um, we're talking last week with um, with Andy about how look at look at um, Simpson and how well he's doing in football management now. And yeah, Chris, you know it's it's I think it's a really really good point. The fact that he's got a three year contract, I've, I've forgotten about that really. To be honest, um, he's a lot. Of t- there's a lot of time on his side, isn't there? Yeah, Tom Bloxham's got plenty of time. I think you made the right point about Kate, and he's the one who probably can be nervous that there's a real risk he gets released next summer and you know would there be any football league suitors for him probably not he'd probably have to go to non-league to build himself back up whereas Tom Bloxham there's plenty of people who'd still want to have him at the moment yeah. on the basis of what he's done already yeah yeah I think Tom Bloxham's got enough clips um, and scout reports probably to say let's take a punt on him but yeah, Caton, and you never know, it's, it's the beauty of football, isn't it? Caton could go to an only team if he doesn't make it through Shrewsbury. Obviously, I'd love to see him come through at Shrewsbury. But then also, there's another interesting question. Um, you guys go to, an age, you go to a lot of games, and, and, and I think you sometimes go to some of the Pizza Cup games. I was on the impression that Caton was a striker, but he never actually seems to play up front for Shrewsbury in the Pizza Cup games. Have you any clues, Aidan, or you know, you chat to a lot of Shrewsbury Town fans who go to a lot of games, is where do you think his position is? You see, I'd say he's a striker. I think he needs to develop more. He needs to build himself up more, I think, to be, you know, playing in men's football. You've got to do that. And maybe, as we've just said, if you go to go out on loan to a National North side, uh, dare I say it's Telford, 
uh, or somebody of that ilk, a kiddie or somebody like that, maybe he would learn his craft a bit more. He's always going to struggle, I think, in the current setup with the current people we've got and the amount of people we've got above him right now. So, But it's like I keep saying, you just don't know. You just could end up with a couple of injuries. He gets thrown on in the situation and he scores. And it was a bit like with Bloxham last season, wasn't it? You know, that's what happened with him. So, you know, don't write the kid off yet. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of water to go under the bridge. Um, so let's see what happens. But, yeah, I think if I was in right now, I'd be thinking, well, God, I've got all these guys ahead of me. You know, how, how do I continue to improve? And maybe that's where you work with that, um, Aaron Wilbraham and, and, you know, get his thoughts, I guess, and Cottrell too, obviously, as he was a striker. Yeah, but he'd love to love to ask Aaron Wilbraham, you know, almost off the record, what he thinks about Caton and where where's where's his trajectory going to go. Um, we certainly got a good job at the moment in terms of developing strikers, um, but yeah, fingers crossed for uh, for We'd love to know what his, what he thinks his best position is, and um, but yeah, hopefully he can he can do he can do a bit more. Um, going off on on a different tangent. Um, so this was a, a classic football classic in some ways. It was four four two versus three five two. Um, and overall, Chris, what what was your kind of view of the the kind of what's your view on Charlton, and what was your view on the kind of the tactical battle? Did did Charlton kind of come out on top on that? They, they're the, I suppose they forced us into changing our shape, so, so it worked slightly better for them on Saturday. Uh, we we line up three five two nine times out of ten, don't we? That's the manager's preferred formation, and this season it's largely been getting results for him, so you can't really knock that. Charlton equally winning games recently, playing in a different way, and as you say, you don't see too many sides playing 4-4-2 at the moment what I did think about Charlton watching the game was never mind what formation they were playing in a way they almost reminded me of us in a way plenty because they were wasting so many chances it was it was two sides who were creating chances and just couldn't take them but it was it was quite if from that point of view it was quite frustrating you know it could easily have been a high scoring game that and it's come out being another 1-0 and I looked at them and thought that you know they're not that different to us and given what a big club they are I, I take that as a credit for us really because that was two sides very much competing on an equal footing. You, you wouldn't look at that game and say that they're leagues ahead of us. Which is obviously a big big compliment to, to the, the squad building and the team this year, Aid. that, you know, a, a club of, of Charlton's size, obviously they've, you know, they didn't do very well last season, but they've got a new manager now moved in the right direction. You know, it's obviously they want to play Shooter Town down and, and, you know, I don't know how to describe it, almost, you know, we expect us not to compete with these teams, but let's be honest, Charlton are a big club. I think we do very well against some of the, the big names in this league, but we we've done this before. It's always been a shoes retained trait to, you know, to go toe to toe with some of these sides. There are a lot of these fallen giants in League One right now. It's it's almost a pseudo championship in many ways, isn't it? Um, but I think just to go back to your earlier point about how Charlton played, I, I thought they were pretty exciting with the two wingers, Usaki and Campbell. Uh, they looked really good. Uh, I liked uh, I liked Jaden Stockley and I liked Charlie Kirk up front as well for them. Um, they they seemed to have options, but again, they, they weren't firing on all cylinders early on, were they? They were missing chances. But at least it's great that you know we're not talking about you know Shrewsbury being beaten four or five nil here. What we're talking about is actually a, a Shrewsbury Town team that has improved, that has options now, and actually can go toe to toe with these sides. Whereas since I think Paul Hurst era, you know, really we've we've struggled to do that to a degree, haven't we? Um, so. You know, it's great that we're able to feel that we can actually challenge in this division, which is uh, something that we've rarely done maybe over the last decade. 
so yeah, good to get your um, guys' opinion on, on Charlton as well. Give us that holistic view of the game. Um, so, um, um, Chris, who is your top three? I had to think about this because while I was pretty satisfied with the performance, I, there, there weren't really anybody who really stood out for me. But I did, I did sort of land on a top three for you because I know you like to give out the points. So I've gone for Recchio Pike in third place for me. I thought he had a decent game, uh, linked up really well with Elliot Bennett on the right side and was involved in a lot of our more positive attacking stuff. I've got Carl Winchester in second place. I thought it was one of the best performances I've seen him have in a Shrewsbury shirt. I thought he was a, a really useful addition to the squad and really played his part on Saturday. And I've gone for Shea Dunkley for my man of the match. I think he's he goes under the radar sometimes, but he's been an absolute rock of a signing for us. He's a quality centre-back. Was really unlucky not to score on Saturday, and I don't think he really put a foot wrong all afternoon. So, yeah, he was my man of the match for us. So, Aid, what was your top three? And also, kind of following on from that, like, what, what's your impression of Dunkley been so far this season? Yeah, I, I've really enjoyed uh, watching him. He seems a, a rock and uh, actually made it to second place in my top three. I was a little bit like Chris. I uh, had to really have a bit of a think about this. But uh, Pike and Winchester got honourable mentions for me. I, I agree with you, Chris. I think uh, Winchester probably had his best game for us uh, on Saturday. Raquel Pike again is showing his consistency. Uh, but my top three was third was uh, Bennett. Elliot Bennett for me has been uh, an absolute quality signing for us. He always looks assured when he's on the ball and uh, he just gives us a different outlet going up that right hand side. Dunkley got my uh, second place again. I agree with you, Chris, as well. He, sometimes he does go under the radar, but I think it's because he's he's very good at reading the game. He's solid. We look well set when he's in our defence. And again, another quality acquisition for town. Uh, but my man of the match went to Morosi uh, for the two wonderful saves he made. Uh, and in a game that uh, I, I think both sides sometimes cancelled each other out, although we, we talked about Charlton having a lot of possession, I think those two saves at quite critical times certainly made sure that uh, Town were in the game for, for a lot longer than maybe could have been. But again, it, it was such a, a game where Town could have been 2-0 up or maybe could have been 2-0 down. Um, you know, it was really hard to call, but uh, Moroti got it for me. Would you agree? Would you obviously you didn't agree with that because you didn't put Maurice in there? But um, yeah, would you give Maurice an honourable mention for his performance? I thought that save in the second half was very good. Yeah, absolutely. I think those those that's they're all fair comments from Aid. Maurice did really well. Good save in the second half, and also an excellent save in the first half just before that chance that fell to the player whose name I can't say. The lad from Palace, I'm going to keep calling him. He blasted one wide when he should have done better. But just before that, the ball fell to him after a terrific one-handed save from Morosi. So, yeah, I can absolutely see why AIDS put him in there. And he, yeah, he's been another excellent addition, hasn't he? And it's nice to have a number one who's ours, as it were. It's a long time since we had a goalkeeper go into a second season with us as first choice. So it's been nice to enjoy that rather than a succession of loans. And, yeah, he's, he's, been, he's been quality. Yeah, on Morosi, do you think if his distribution was better... He'd be playing in the championship. Yeah, he's good enough, isn't he? So, uh, certainly, as a shot stopper and a positionally, he always looks solid. But yes, you're right. His distribution is sometimes a little bit dodgy and sometimes a little frustrating to watch as a supporter. So maybe that's something that held him back. And you know, Coventry obviously felt they had to move on for him and felt they could upgrade on him. And you'd imagine that that was maybe part of it. I suppose if you're a team that really wants to play passing football and play out from the back, then maybe you don't trust Morosi to do that so much. So. I can see why other teams would reach those decisions, but for what we need and what we do, he's still, 
the distribution is important, but it's not as important as actually keeping the ball out of the net. Well, I'd, I'd actually maybe say, I don't know if you meant that this in the same way, but I'd say his short passing Maurice is actually pretty good. It's his long kicking, which is a bit of a, a struggle for him. Yeah, yeah, but I suppose, you know, yeah, you wouldn't trust him to pick out, if he tries to pick out the left winger down the left-hand side or Bennett running down the right-hand side or whatever, nine times out of ten it goes into touch, doesn't it? In fact, sometimes you think he's trying to play it down the middle and it still goes out of touch. So, yeah, you're right, his long-range kicking can be unreliable. But, like I say, I'd still, in League One, for Shrewsbury Town, what's most important to me, it's a goalkeeper who consistently does well and keeps the ball out of the net and makes saves that maybe you wouldn't expect him to, so... For me, those are the that, that's what I look for first. Everything yeah. else is a bonus on top. Yeah, um, and would you agree with that, Aid? You know, it's, it's nice having our, our own goalkeeper under contract, not worrying you're going to lose him in January or have to sign another loan goalkeeper. Yeah, absolutely, Ollie. I, I totally agree with that. It, it's it's been a, a plus to have him. Uh, I think the distribution question is a valid one. Um, I think he's getting better. But there are times, and he did it again on Saturday, where he sort of did this low sort of uh, half kick. And uh, thankfully, I think our midfield uh, picked it up. But there were a couple of times I think he tried it and it didn't come off. But there's been a couple of occasions where there has been that long ball out wide. And, you know, our players just can't get to it. goes over their head, goes straight out. And I think he just needs, it just needs a bit more coaching, doesn't it? And hopefully that part of his game will come on. Yep, yep I agree with that. Um so moving on, um, what did the manager have to say? Um, he was visibly f- frustrated um, after the game. Again, as you keep saying, he's, he's, even after defeats, his post match is a lot more, um, a lot more, I don't know, civil, <laughs> a lot more easier to watch. Um, so yeah, he's frust- clearly frustrated. He said he's honest enough to say we didn't do enough to win the game. You know, we should we sh- should have been two up. Um, we didn't take our chances. Um, basically, we need to be better um, in, in taking making our taking our chances. Uh, he said, "If you don't take those chances and it's nil nil, the game is on a knife edge." Uh, we had moments in the death, but but you have to take them. Um, and he basically was saying that we were just not really that good enough today. Um, so that was kind of what the manager had to say. Like, would you um, both agree with what he said? Is that fair? I think it's interesting. He sounded quite down, didn't he, after the game? He sounded he did, really very frustrated down. and um, disappointed. And I've not really heard that side from him too much. I've heard the, the angry Cottrell. I've heard the condescending Cottrell. And this this was a bit of a more uh, Cottrell with a bit more humility, wasn't it? But he, yeah. he, he could see he was frustrated that um, we hadn't got the win. Um you know we've played worse and 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 probably won games, but um, yeah, it, it was just interesting to get that view. It really was. I think Chris, that is because he's got a team here that he he knows got some quality. He knows that can win games, and this was he thought maybe he may be looking ahead to the fixtures as well. But you know every game counts, and this was a missed opportunity. Really, I I got the impression maybe that the players. I don't know, just didn't really get into into gear after that twenty minute mark, twenty five minute mark. Yeah, I mean, as you say, he was frustrated and I think he does trust this team more than he has, obviously, in the first 18 months. He's had time now to bring in his players. This is very much Steve Cottrell's Shrewsbury Town now and I suppose he feels he'll be judged on this team so when it doesn't go for the way he wants it to go, he's frustrated by that. That's fair enough. I want my manager to be frustrated after his team's lost at home. So, you know, I I had no issue with any of his comments, really. I Possibly, I think, like I think we covered earlier in the podcast, I think it was probably generous to say we deserve to be two up at half-time. I'm not sure that's what I saw. Although, like what Aid said, if we had got that goal, you wonder then if that would have given us the, 
the, the lift and we'd have gone on to potentially win the game quite comfortably. You know, it, goals change games, don't they? It's that old cliche. If we've got that first goal, you'd probably have been sitting here now discussing a win for Shrewsbury Town. So he's probably, and that's probably what he feels as well. If Tom Bayliss taps that one in from a yard out, gets his foot on that, then probably the Charlton goal that followed a few minutes later wouldn't have happened. And who knows what, we might have gone on to score another one. So, yeah, he was clearly frustrated. Three points we could have had and he, he clearly knows we've got a tough week ahead. So... Yeah, it would have been nice to go into those games with three points in the bag. Yeah, I think having that kind of momentum, um, going to training on Monday with two games, probably would have been um, obviously would have been good for morale. Um, aid. Um, any any kind of final comments on this game? Well, I think the one thing I wanted to say was I really enjoyed it. Um, there's been a lot of games, I guess, over the last couple of years. I've turned up uh, at the meadow and you know been away and thought, why have I bothered? Um, but I really enjoyed it. I clapped, I clapped the team off. I thought it was a, a, a good performance per se. I thought we were maybe a little bit unlucky. If we'd have been a bit sharper, who knows what could have happened. I thought Charlton were a, were a good team. They're obviously on a bit of a run. They're starting to improve. They look like, you know, they could be up there or there or thereabouts. So sometimes with this developing Shrewsbury Town team, um, we're going to have days like we had against Charlton, but I think we'll have more days like we had against MK Dons than days like we did yes um, yesterday. So um, yeah, no need to panic. You know the wheels aren't coming off the wagon from what I can see. I think the concern is, and it's it's a general concern we have as town fans. These two away games uh, that are coming up, long distance away games as well, uh, and knowing us, you know, putting the the mockers on it, um, you can see town. You could see Tane possibly losing all these ones, but there again, I'm very hopeful that uh, we'll end up getting something from the next two games. Yeah, whenever we go into a run of games where we think we're going to lose, we normally get something from it. And then we go into a run of games where we think this should be piss easy. <laughs> we come away with a bad run, which seems to be the Steve Cottrell way. Of, um, obviously, you remember when we came, he came in and we were playing teams all high up in the division and we managed to get some 1-0 to win the 1-0 victories so yeah who knows what we can do it is an interesting one obviously Steve Cottrell was clearly visibly not happy um, with um, the fixture list um, I did chat with Brian about the fixture list and he wasn't very happy either I was asking him like what's the kind of cost and what's the kind of decisions to be made about staying away so the team are staying overnight um, on the Monday night and they're staying overnight on the Friday night as well in preparation for the game so it costs like Brian told me it costs four to five K to keep the team up to then. And I said to him, you know, was there any consideration for staying down there on the Wednesday and Thursday? And he said, yeah, that would have cost about another 10 K. But also you're keeping the players away from their family for a whole week. Um, is it Brian or is it Brian or Shipley's has had a new baby? So yeah, aid, obviously keeping the team away all week is obviously a bit of a tough one, but also it's costly as well. You know, 10 Ks, it's not a small sum of money um, for this team. No, it isn't. And, and again, I, I really would question the EFL on this one. Um, OK, you're in a professional league where the fixtures come out and you have to face what you're given. But is it really fair that we are going to Plymouth on Tuesday and then Portsmouth on Saturday? And I was wondering today, actually, if maybe we should have made a request to Portsmouth to actually play the game on Sunday, um, just to give us an extra day recovery time. Um, I'm glad they're stopping over. Yes, it, it is a lot of money, but I think it's worthwhile us doing it. Uh, and at least it gives us an opportunity to at least try and have a go. And, and therefore, I'm really hopeful that uh, we can get something from these games. But 
you do have to question not just from a, a footballing point of view, but from a supporting point of view, especially at a time when we're supposed to be in a cost, you know, cost of living crisis and everything else that's going on. Why on earth the football league would sanction, um, you know, a five hundred mile round trip to Plymouth followed by another one three or four days later? To me, that just seems utter bonkers. I don't know if you've looked at this, Chris. I wouldn't be surprised if you haven't, because you do like to do the prop and um, you do some um, pod prep. But do you know that Pompey are playing at home on Tuesday night as well? Yeah, I think it's the way the fixture list has fallen for these two games, isn't it? Most teams are either playing two home games or two away games, so. Which is wrong. I'm sorry, but if you're playing a Tuesday night, they should alter alternate that. I guess you got. I guess you've got the other games. So we played at home, then we're playing in away and away. So, yeah, I'm obviously talk, talking a little bit of nonsense there. We're looking at one week uh, in, in isolation, but Portsmouth must be proper chuffed. You know, they got Oxford at home on Tuesday night, knowing that we've gone to Plymouth, um, and then they got us on home on the Saturday. Yeah, it's it's frustrating. I think we're sometimes. I think we're a bit of a victim of our own geography here because. The, it's a tough job. You've got twenty four. You've got twenty four teams to fit these fixtures in for, and you know it's 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 bad enough talking about us going to Plymouth, but it could be a team from far up north. I'm trying to. Think, there's nobody from the northeast in our division of this year, is there? But no, there's not. Last year, for example, you wouldn't have wanted Sunderland going to Plymouth on a Tuesday night, or Plymouth going to Sunderland. And I think maybe their computer. I don't know how they they factor it in geographically, but. The middle, they we're in the middle, so whichever way they send us, they'll be thinking it could be worse because we're not we're not going from south to north as it were. So yeah, I'm always a bit we're bit conscious we're playing Plymouth, who obviously fans do a lot of mileage, but um yeah, it's not ideal, and obviously playing um two teams that are having cracking seasons as well. Um, so we obviously um, Plymouth are doing absolutely fantastically well. So well, their manager has been touted again. They must be uh, pissed off whenever time they go on Twitter and see their manager is going to be nabbed from them. So Plymouth are having a fantastic season. Um, they've played fifteen games, won eleven, drawn two, and lost two. Um, so they're doing really well. Highest scores in the division as well. Um, so they're they're doing really well. And then um, Portsmouth are doing re- well as well. They've drawn quite a few games out of, the, out of their 13. So they've got two shy. Um, they've won seven, um, drawn um, four and lost two. Um, obviously, if they got won those two games in hand, they'll be on 31 points just ahead of Sheffield Wednesday. But yeah, t- two tough games, um, Chris, um, against Plymouth um, and Portsmouth. Um, but hopefully, fingers crossed, we can get something from it. Like, and for me, from you, um, your perspective, what would you what would you classify this as a good? What would be a good week? A good week would be getting something out of either game. Frankly, I mean, Plymouth have been that good that I think you know a draw on Tuesday would be an incredibly good result at the minute. And you never know, you know, they they blew a two 0 lead against Bristol Rovers on Saturday, and you never know what that does for confidence. That could be start the start of them maybe having a little mini slump. So. Hopefully, you know, who knows, on the back of that, we could pile a bit more misery on them because there'll just be a little bit more doubt in their minds. So, fingers crossed that's the case. And then Portsmouth, we've had some results there over the years. It's not been an unhappy hunting ground for us in the last few years, Fratton Park. So, you just never know. You just never know. And, you know, this travelling thing even, you suggested about them staying down there for the whole week. I actually think we're better coming home, to be honest. Wednesday would have been a rest day anyway, and I think surely the players would rather have that rest day in familiar territory than just knocking around a hotel somewhere down south. Train in familiar surroundings Thursday, travel back down again Friday. Not ideal, but I think that's surely better for the players. Um, yeah, if we can get you know two draws, it'd be brilliant. A win and a defeat, it'd be brilliant. You know, if we, if we got a couple of points, three points out of these two games, I think most of us would be ecstatic. So 
you know, fingers crossed. Who knows? Like you pointed out, we, we we've done it before. No, no, I, I think getting, I think a draw um, against, yeah, I, I think even getting a couple of points would be would be good. A win obviously would be would be excellent, but um, yeah, two two really tough um, results. And what would you what do you think about this week ahead, Aid? Yeah, I'm of a similar sort of. Uh thought process really I think if we get anything out of these two games it'd be amazing um, I, I fancy us to get a draw at Plymouth and I think O'Brien will score the winner at Pompey in the last minute sending 500 delirious shoes battalion fans probably over the edge but four no, points no, if, that, if we get four points from these two games off I was going to say, I'll buy you a pint next game, Aid, if that happens. Four points. Oh, I'd, I'd, you, I'd, I'd be over the moon. I, I think I'd be over the moon just, just to get something positive from both games. Let's be realistic about it and honest. Uh, I think if we are sitting here next week and we've got nothing, I wouldn't be surprised. I think that would be a really tough week. I, I hope it's just no hard luck stories. But I think if we were to get something from those games, either of them, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, yeah. I think it would just be amazing. So let's just keep our fingers crossed and see. But as you know, with Shrewsbury Town, always expect the unexpected. Yeah, that's, that's the one thing that we definitely we definitely know. And yeah, as I said earlier, you know, when we expect something, we don't get it. Um, and then when we when we think that yeah, we might get a good result, it doesn't happen. Um, are you going to either games, Aid? I'm not, unfortunately, no. no. No, I was hoping to go to Portsmouth, but um, other commitments have sort of gotten in the way of that. And probably a couple of years ago, I would have gone to Plymouth on a Tuesday night. I've done that before and ended up coming back at Silly O'Clock. Um, so, you know, my uh, my thoughts to, to all the Tame fans, I hope you have a wonderful time at both games. And I hope that uh, your loyal support is rewarded for visiting those two grounds and uh, just enjoy. I've yeah, got a crazy few weeks again. Um, I don't I don't assume, Chris, you're going to either of these games. Yeah, I'm afraid I'm making it naught for three here. I'm not going to these two either. Like Aid, I've done Plymouth on a Tuesday night. I remember going all the way down there, watching us lose 3-1 and then driving straight back 500 miles to watch us get thumped. I think it might have, yeah, I think it might have even been 3-0. I remember it was a pretty heavy defeat and it was... Not the funnest drive home because it's a bloody long way. And, it is a long way. Know, I think I was in my 20s at the time, but even so, that's a lot of driving in one night. I was knackered. So, yeah, yeah I wouldn't fancy that these days. So, yeah, fair play to anyone who's going to both. If you go, are going to both games, um, yeah, please give us a shout out on Twitter or on, on Facebook because that's, uh, yeah, I think anyone who goes to both games needs to get an honourable mention from the club. And, um, it's, a, it's a, yeah, a big commitment to go to both. So, if you're going to both, um, kudos to you. Um, so yeah, I think that's kind of the end of the podcast. Um, anything else to to add? Have we missed anything you wanted to, to kind of say, Chris and Aid? No, I think that's it from me. Uh, <laughs> Ollie, thanks once again for inviting us yeah. on, and Chris, uh, good to speak to you, mate. And uh, yeah, best wishes, obviously, to Glenn. Yeah, I really enjoyed doing it again tonight, Ollie. You've been good fun. Uh, always enjoy being on the pod, and uh, just yeah, get me on after a win. Every time I come on, I feel like I'm moaning. <laughs> yeah, I have to make sure if we have a smash, if we smash someone, we have to make sure you get you on, especially Chris. Good to talk load of goals. But yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast, guys. Really appreciate um, your your contribution. Um, be trying to get a couple of guests again for next weekend. Um, yeah, thoughts with you, Glenn. Um, hope everyone is okay. And um, yeah, thanks for listening. <laughs>